everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm your other co-host, Corey Tyndall. And once again, two-hander with a different co-host uh, Yep. this uh, this go-round. <laughs> uh, it's just Corey and I holding down the fort, kind of, if you're an old-school Real P Old listener, school, yes. Old school, pre-Real pre P, having the name Real P. Yeah. Um, if you still remember the show from the logo it has on Apple Podcasts still, because I'm locked out of that account. <laughs> oh, um wow uh yep yep uh then uh you will be very used to this dynamic yes but we are using the format of real p which is to talk about a somewhat current release uh it's two months old somewhat, at this point yeah um and that is you know if you guys have been following the arc of the show we took a long break and so we're kind of playing catch up for the rest of the year yep. on stuff we missed talking about previous episode was about the bear season one and two uh, it's still one of the best shows on tv nothing's changed since the last time we <laughs> the last episode we released um we're gonna talk about another thing that's available on hulu a lot of hulu centric uh uh episodes lately but that is the 2023 film no one will save you no one will save you is an alien invasion film um which was written and directed by brian duffield mm -hmm. uh, and stars caitlin dever as Bryn. she is uh more or less this sort of um shunned from her small town um recluse shut-in type yeah yeah um who doesn't talk well, at all, but um, <laughs> doesn't talk a lot. Yeah. Um, and has something, something has happened in her past where people in her town cast a wary eye On towards her. her. Yeah. Um, but she is living her best Etsy life and has some sort of an online shop where she, I think, makes handmade clothes or something. Yeah. Um, she's got a little town and... diorama that she's building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she keeps herself busy with her hobbies. And then one night, an alien shows up in her home. Yep. And she kills it. And then... Stuff gets uh, real. Yep. And then a bunch of aliens chase her for the remainder of the movie. That's basically the movie. Yep. <laughs> um, that is correct. <laughs> uh, also, there are only like five spoken words of dialogue in the whole film. Although, I think it's seven on a rewatch. You think um, so? There's like indistinct mm -hmm. chatter that you hear when she like. There is walks indistinct past. chatter, yeah. but yeah. Um, but after she tries to leave in her car in the morning, I swear on the second rewatch when she's freaking out that the car's not starting. Yeah. I swear she says, Oh, come on. Um, so I guess that would bring it up to eight. Yeah. Um, but there are five clear words spoken the Correct. entire yeah. uh runtime, which is eighty or ninety three minutes. So Yes um yeah sort of a bold choice uh it is very bold to, yes to <laughs> to make a film based around that and uh it doesn't i would say it doesn't always work necessarily yeah uh however what i will say is that i appreciate that they committed to the hook that's exactly um, what i was gonna say like i yeah. i appreciate that they were all in on this exactly exactly um so yeah i guess that was my first question is like where did you land with the sort of gimmick of the film of no spoken dialogue well overall and you know we'll we'll deep dive into it but overall i like the film right. okay in terms of the no speaking there there were some times where 
there was a little bit of suspension of disbelief of like, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, e- even just like she has a lot of scenes alone or it's like, I get that. But I was just thinking like, what would I be doing in this scene? Sometimes I talk aloud when I am anxious or nervous. Yeah, totally. And so like, I'm like, man, she is, things must be running through her mind. Maybe she's just, that's not how she processes. But sometimes I'm stressed out. I'm like, I'm trying to talk through like, okay, do I do this? Do I do this? Like I'm freaking out, hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. And anyway, but Overall, I am really impressed that they actually like committed to saying like mm-hmm. we're not gonna we're not gonna have dialogue in this. Yeah, yeah, and there's something I want to get to later about that about the way he wrote the script yeah. as well because it seemed to cause a little bit of controversy on the corners of the internet I inhabit at least. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so now that we've gotten the talk of the gimmick out of the way, what did you think about the film as a whole? I really liked it. So yeah. looking, yeah. <laughs> So I thought the film was very impressive in terms of the cinematography, the the storytelling. I thought her performance with not having words or dialogue, like I thought she did a tremendous job, like communicating so many things that like when I see her, it's like I have a really good sense of what you are feeling and I'm not hearing you speak anything. So um on all of those fronts, I really like that. I, you know, I know there's a lot of, maybe you've felt this too, there's mixed opinions about the aliens and how much we see them, what they look like and stuff. Ah, uh, I didn't know that. Oh, but I, I mean, you know, I'll, some people, like reviews and stuff that I read, people are like, I wanted to see less of them. I feel like that kind of takes away the horror aspect, the thrilling aspect of it, but... I, I honestly didn't mind it. I didn't feel like we saw them, like, like overly, like, you know, so much. And mm-hmm. um, particularly, like, the last alien that chases her, I thought that was a really interesting design. The kind of, like, spider, the four-legged yeah. one. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's really interesting. The lanky boy. Yes, yes. And, you know, it, like, moved in these creepy ways where I'm like, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm unsettled. And... You know, we'll probably talk about it, you know, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like, you know, when you kind of see how they're like what they're doing to the other people in the town and stuff, I thought that was like creepy and like, oh, yeah, it was just like the right amount of like, oh, I don't like this and kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. But overall, I really like the film. It's we were talking off mic before we started, but it's wild that a film like this got made. Um, Yeah, but. That's what I love about it. I love that I feel like this film, like, it swung big. Like, it swung for the fences, and I'm glad that they committed to the no dialogue. I'm glad that they committed to, like, we're going to do this. And, you know, I know it's, like, low budget in terms of, like, other films, but it felt like they maximized every ounce of their budget. Like, I feel like they shot the heck out of this film. They put most of the money towards the CGI of the aliens. Like, you know, with a low-budget film like this, you're expecting, like, oh, the aliens are going to probably kind of look like crap. The VFX are going to be, like, uh, iffy. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that watching this movie. Um, and, yeah, like, it, I I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we can talk more. And I, I like that it's a film that, you know, at a base level we can say, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, signs, means you know, invasion of the body snatchers plus some horror stuff. But I like that there was like some deeper layers to it. Like when I got mm-hmm. done watching the film, I was like, 
that did not end how I expected it to end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we were going to talk about that ending. And and just like that, the fact that, you know, afterwards, and we were talking about this, I was like, I feel like I need someone to process this ending with. And, like, I'm just trying to, like, you know, reel this myself. And, like, the film does a good job of presenting, like, there's more going on than just an alien invasion with, you know, our main character. But I thought, like, the way the ending kind of lands, it's very interesting. So, overall... I liked it. I'm excited to be on this podcast so we can actually talk about it more because, like I said, I need somebody to process this with. Everyone I've talked to have been like, hey, you hear about, like, no one will save you. They're like, oh, yeah, it's, like, interesting. I heard good things. Nobody, none of my friends have seen it in my circle. Yeah. So I'm ready to talk yeah. about it. Um, yeah, before we get too deep into it, I loved it. I think I think it's one of the best horror movies of the year. I really liked it. I kind of don't, like, one, <laughs> I think, I think I accidentally champion movies like this a little too hard. <laughs> and I don't mean movies that commit to a big gimmick, although I do love that they committed to the big gimmick. Yeah. Um, I mean, PG 13 horror films, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, uh, cause there's this weird thing where like, sometimes people are like, there are no good PG 13 horror films. No, no, yeah. absolutely not. That's so not true. This is a great one. It's PG 13 signs is a great one. Yeah. That's PG 13. Yep. Uh, Drag Me to Hell is PG-13. Yeah. Poltergeist is PG somehow. Really? Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, rating, the PG stands for Poltergeist. Ratings were um, different back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of great PG. The Ring is rated PG-13. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. Somehow. Once yeah. again, somehow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, there's plenty of great PG-13 horror movies out there. Um. And it turned out, actually, that I think the reason I like this movie is because it's good, but it also was written and directed by Brian Duffield. And Brian Duffield wrote uh, Underwater, which I really liked, that came out in 2020. Um, it was just an alien ripoff. Like, it was oh, literally okay. just, like, Underwater Alien. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's worth watching. And then he also came out with Love and Monsters, which is a great, criminally overlooked um, kaiju film. Oh, okay. That came out during lockdown. It's really fun. If you liked No One Will Say to You, go watch Love and Monsters. I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Okay. And another low-budget movie that absolutely maximizes, I would say even better than No One Will Say to You, it's budget. Wow. Um, there's a practical giant ant at the beginning of the movie that I loved. I thought it was so <laughs> great. Um but we're not here to talk about Love and Monsters, although I do really <laughs> enjoy that movie. But once I found out Brian Duffield was involved and, like, what else he had done, I was like, oh, that explains why this clicked so much with mm. me. Um, because I really like both those movies. Underwater, also a PG-13 horror movie, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then it just has a lot of Raimi stuff in it, too, which yeah, you know does. I'm a yeah. sucker for. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's got Raimi pacing. It's got Raimi angles. The opening is super Raimi with yeah. the giant title that says no one will yeah. see me taking up the whole screen. Yes. I was like, like, I saw that and I was like, oh, they got me immediately. Like, they figured out how to hack my brain. You're like, oh, it's going to be this type of movie. All right. Yeah. 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 And, like, I had heard good things about it, and, like, I like an alien movie, but I actually didn't know until right before I hit play that there was no spoken dialogue. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And so, one, I kind of wish that would have been a surprise, and two, I'm so glad that, like, I did know before, because if I, like, 
it just made me immediately it, it ingratiated me to the movie yeah a lot easier i think where i was just like they took a big risk yeah and um but yeah i think it works really really well i think all the encounters with the aliens are great yeah um i i, I mean i think it wears its influences on its sleeve but in a yes. good way yeah um I do think you were, yeah, what if Signs became Invasion <laughs> of the Body Snatchers? It's interesting that, like, alien films and slasher films have been, like, what if blank became blank lately? Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't been, like, a very straightforward alien movie in a while, I feel like. Because, um, like, Nope, right? And yeah. even if you watch the special features on Nope, uh, Jordan Peele said that his intention when writing the film was, what if Close Encounters became Jaws? Jaws, yeah. Um no one will save you kind of feels like what if close encounters became invasion of body snatchers yeah um, yeah and there is some stuff like straight out of invasion of the body yeah snatchers yeah there movie. is so it is like it is not like subtle about the fact no, that it's been no, it's not. Like, inspired by this um but they do some interesting things with it but overall i really 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 like it i think it's a great alien invasion film I originally thought it was just going to be her and the the single alien at the beginning mm. in the home. Like, I thought yeah. it was going to be a home invasion movie, but with an alien. Yeah. And it's not that. Like, after that first 20 minutes, it goes in towards the invasion of the body snatcher stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, the last thing I'll address is the thing you said about the controversy over the aliens. Yeah. I love that. Mm. They show the alien 10 minutes in. Um, I think it's great. I think that... I think I like it because I think if I had to sum up the film in one word in general, it would be playful because it plays around with a lot of different stuff and a a lot of different ideas. Yeah. And I think by having no spoken dialogue, it's already flying in the face of conventional 2023 movie making wisdom. Yeah. And so I think that the next logical step is to then fly in the face of what if we showed the monster immediately and just like you so get, like it, you get right into it there's no right set, you know it. like yeah. you know like most most alien invasion movies you've you've got signs not not the film but you know you've got signs foreshadowing mm-hmm. this thing is going to happen mm-hmm. it's like you get one thing and then it's just like oh yeah what what is it like maybe 10 minutes in the alien it is nine minutes and 46 yeah, seconds like, I, just, I, it, I paused it today to find out it is it is very quick it's like we're in it <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I love that because I want, I think you need something yeah. if you're not going to have spoken dialogue, like you either got to get to it or not. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is like, it was, they were because of the gimmick of no dialogue, they had to do, make up for it somewhere else. Yeah. And so you make up somewhere for it somewhere else by showing the alien immediately and being like, here's an action sequence right out the gate. Yeah. Like the <laughs> first 20 minutes is just this home invasion film with an yep. alien. Yeah. And then it just goes from there. Yeah. And I think because of that, the pacing is super tight. Yeah, like, I was going to say the pacing is really good instant. on this movie. Like, it does not feel too long. I felt mm-hmm. engaged the whole time I was watching it. And I was like, yep. oh, wow. Like, it just kind of flew by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think because I think it's because of the structure of the film, right? The way the film reveals information is yeah. really, really fascinating. Because it does kind of fly in the face of everything, right? So it's like, we revealed the monster 10 minutes in. Well, where do you go from that? Yeah. Oh, the monster's invading us yeah oh the monster could be anyone now yeah you know the monster isn't always going to look like an alien and so it's like oh so maybe we didn't reveal the monster too early you know like yeah and so there's always that next hook right and then it's like 
And then after that, it's like, where do you go from that? Like, she knows that she can't trust anyone, but no one really trusted her in the first place. So, like, this isn't a new revelation. Yeah. And then it's like, well, there's also a real little guy. And then yeah. there's a real there's a real skinny guy. Yeah. Like, it's, yep. it's just like there's variety within the aliens themselves as well as the fact that they could look like anyone. And you even right? get to, like, you get the reveal of like, what are they doing? Like, you know, because you get the mm-hmm. sequences like, oh, there's like, now there's like a tractor beam. Now there's like, you mm-hmm. know, like the the second and third time she has the encounters in her house. Like you get to see mm-hmm. these new permutations, these new things that they have. Yeah, yeah. And so the movie always has an idea to throw at you. And yeah. I think that's what helps it with the no dialogue gimmick, right? Yeah. It's always got like a bit, right? Like it's always got a hook yeah. to get you to watch like keep watching which is also true because the film does have commercials if you watch it on, on hulu yes um which does kind of kill the momentum a little bit but whatever i've seen movies with commercials before it's fine yeah yep. you know what i mean like it's it, uh, yeah would i prefer this cut to have a 4k release next year that i can buy on disc and not have to worry about yeah yeah i definitely want yes that. um also because the movie looks great i would love to see what it looks like uncompressed yeah agreed um because <clears throat> the dark scenes are a little dark yeah yeah um yep. with with hulu compression that said i don't know if you noticed this but the sound design in this movie is incredible yes it is yeah Absolutely. it's so good it's the best sounding movie i think i've seen this year <laughs> yeah i mean like with I having no like... dialogue i feel like the sound design i was hoping we we're gonna talk about it it has to come front and center because yeah. like there's yeah. so much that relies on that so like even even like in that first 20 minutes where you know we got home invasion and she's like running around the house and like she gets under Mm -hmm. the bed and you hear the alien come in like all the small sound design in that like you hear its footsteps and like it like shuffling and moving the door and so i just thought like that was so good and then even later in the film when things are going crazy and you're hearing the sounds of like the spaceship and like the tractor Mm -hmm. beam and like all the different things i was like this is so well done (laughs) Yeah, well, and, like, so I have a pretty nice sound setup. I have a 5.2 oh, yeah. s- setup. And I had it at maybe 15 out of, like, 40, and it was bumping. Oh, like, wow. Like, it was, it was pushing my subwoofer. It was, like, it was loud. Yeah. And, like, I watched it really loud the first night I watched it because I was home alone. And, yeah. And uh, it was, like, spooky season. And it was yeah. all dark. And so I, like, turned off all the lights and I cranked the sound, and it sounded great. But today I noticed that, like parts where like the alien is running around her like they panned the they panned oh, it through all yeah. five speakers that's awesome. and i was like oh that was sick like i didn't notice that the first time but i felt it go from the left side of my soundbar oh, to the yeah. right side of my soundbar to the back satellite speaker to the uh that's awesome. left to the back right sa- satellite speaker to the left satellite speaker and then it fu- it filled in all three speakers on the bar and the two satellites and i was like that was a great touch that's like, amazing really 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 smart yeah um and so yeah stuff like that i thought was just like brilliantly thought out right like the movie is clearly like very well considered yeah um by the team who made it and like it shows and i think any movie that does that i'm already going to be kind of on its side yeah i agree where it's like oh these people cared yeah like they actually wanted it to be good yeah Mm -hmm. and what i've noticed is that and this is uh this is frustrating hulu the last two years have now released awesome horror movies 
that swing for the fences that I totally want to watch in a giant theater with a sold out Friday night date crowd yeah. because they have no idea what's about to hit them. Cause last year they had prey and yeah. prey was rad. And yeah. this was also great. And I didn't get to see either one of them in a theater. Yeah. This would have been awesome to see in a theater. Oh, it would have been so good to see in a movie theater. <laughs> like a, like I said, a sold out unsuspecting date night crowd. Like the people who, were like the people who were going to be pissed off that there was no dialogue or were already going to be pissed off that there was no dialogue. Yeah, yeah, but, the, <laughs> but the people who like clicked in and realized that it was going to have no dialogue and just went with it, they were going to be a great crowd to watch this movie with. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, I really wish Hulu would start considering yeah re- releasing their films theatrically because I think prey would have absolutely played in a crowd. Yeah. Prey was as awesome. well. It was so good. And, like, I'm hopeful that No One Will Save You will get the 4K treatment because Prey just got a 4K disc. Oh, okay. And it became the best-selling 4K disc of the year, the week it came out. Wow. So we've shown that there's a market that people want these movies on disc. Yeah. Um. So hopefully Fox and Disney learn their lesson. And I hope so. Put two and two together that, one, if people are willing to buy their shit on disc, that they will also pay to see it in a movie theater. Yeah. Um, And also that, like, they should just start putting this stuff on disc. Um, Yes. Because I would gladly pay $30 to watch this movie with no ads whenever I wanted, uncompressed, with an uncompressed audio track as well. Like, that sounds incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, we danced around it a little bit. Set pieces. There is a lot. Once yes. ten, once ten, ten minute marks hits, it's nothing but set pieces till the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the set pieces of the whole? I, again, and I like, I was watching this film. I'm just like, man, they did so much with this limited budget. I, mm-hmm. I thought that I enjoyed them, and I thought the set pieces were really impressive. Like you know it was very clear it's like okay we've got this one we've got this you know it's like we've got the bus we've got the house um and yeah i just i just thought they were really creative in maximizing like these different set pieces and yeah just like really being like how much can we get out of all of them like even the ending the ending one like in front of the house you know and we're at the house a fair amount like they're just able to use it in so many different ways like with her car and like how how you know they use the car earlier in the film but then like the the alien you know gets trapped in it and like how she does all that stuff and like makes it blow up like i just thought they were they were so clever in really like being like how much mileage can we get out of this Mm -hmm. but what what did you think about the set pieces great i think they're all great like i think well i think the stuff on the bus is like cool but a little out of place yeah um so the first set piece is incredible yeah with her with um the alien in the house and it's just a single alien and she doesn't know what's going on yeah um that's great it, it's very home invasion it's very yeah. paranoid it's yeah. very like tense um she makes really great decisions throughout that set piece i think which is yeah. you know hard for a horror film um and it's just so tense and like great and like 
so much creepy stuff happens during it too like when yeah. the alien walks in her bedroom and does that like weird call out the window to the yeah. other aliens yeah like, why is it doing that like just really great creepy stuff and then the way it ends is once again very like playful where it's like oh she killed the alien and you're like well, what now like we've seen the alien we know the gimmick is no dialogue like where does it go from here there's nowhere yeah. else for this movie to go yep. and so then there's is the reveal that like oh it's taking over the people like the, the alien invasion is happening inside of us yeah right which i think is why the film is called no one will Sa- i think it's one of the reasons why yes, the yeah. film is called no one will save you and so then she like gets on a bus and that's when she finds out that um they're in they're in, in us us yeah. yeah and uh that scene is cool but like i said that scene is very invasion of the body yeah i was gonna say like that's the one like is... you're like you're they're clearly wearing things on their sleeves and you're like oh okay mm-hmm. i see you yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, because there's, like, even in with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and this happens twice, there's two Exorcist references, and it's the same Exorcist reference both times, oh, which yeah. is people doing the crab walk from the Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, it's, one of them's a person, the next one's an alien, but I was like, oh, there's two in that. And then, um, so we go from that, she goes back home and then has a confrontation with an alien in her basement, and that's very Jurassic Park. Yeah, um, like her moving around the, you know, the mm-hmm. one piece of like the pillar like you know it's like oh it's on this side mm-hmm. now i move here mm-hmm. and yeah i've seen yeah. it's very raptors in the kitchen yep and then she has that confrontation with the little guy and then she like closes the door and then the little guy like claws his way through the door and that's the shining like yep. yeah um and so i was just like oh okay this is like it's very it's very obvious what it's going for but it still works i think yeah um and i mean if you're gonna steal you might as well steal from some and it, of the and it never, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and it never felt like you know how some movies and like films are like we have to like put this in here so people mm-hmm. like hey you know it's that thing from this thing like for, you know mm-hmm. like we're we're so important we're so cool because we did this thing it never felt like these were like hey we're putting this in here so you can do like the leo pointing meme it never felt like right. that it just felt like hey, we're going to put this in here. You know, even, like, at the beginning, like, in the first five minutes when she, like, goes out and she sees the the thing in her lawn and you're like, oh, that's that's the science thing. But it, it's, I don't know. I never felt like it was a, like, hey, look at us. Like, we're, we're stealing all these things because we're so good. It just felt like, oh, okay, like, I see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it honestly felt like these are the films that inspired us. Yes, yeah. Type of deal, right? Like, yeah. Which I, I appreciate. I mean, there's obviously there's like a ton of home invasion stuff in yeah. here too, right? Like, um, Hush. Have you seen Hush? I haven't. Great home invasion movie from Mike Flanagan. Um, oh, it's very inspired by Hush. Now that I think about it, because the main woman is deaf in oh, Hush. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's about a deaf woman who has to deal with a a, a home intruder, oh. and so the hook there is that she's deaf, right? Yeah. So she can't hear yeah. anything. Yep. Um and. It's a great movie. It's real good. Um, and yeah, now that I think about it, it was just like, what if Hush was Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if that's where he swiped the idea, now that I think about it, for no dialogue. Um, but yeah, anyway, Hush is great. And so the beginning really reminds me of Hush. The lighting looks a lot like that movie Hush. Um, mm-hmm. And then like... 
Yeah, there's a ton of Raimi. The score is very Raimi. Yeah. The opening title is very Raimi. The house looks like something out of Evil uh, Dead. Like, yeah. Yep. Uh, the car is even like a, a little older beater type deal. Yeah. Right? It's not quite the Oldsmobile, right? Because yeah. nothing is. But it's a little <laughs> bit Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, the aliens do some funny stuff. Like, uh, the, the real little guy makes me laugh every time. Like, I just, I love that guy. Yeah. Cause he, I like him cause he kind of sucks. Like yeah. he, he's kind of, he's kind of not that good at doing what everyone else is doing, but he's giving it the old college yeah, try. Yeah, he's, he's like, still going for it multiple yeah, times. Yeah. yeah, I admire his moxie, but his execution leaves something to be desired. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, it's just great. It makes me laugh when he does the here's Johnny in the, oh, yeah. in the, oh, yeah. the door frame. Like I was just like, that's really funny. And then I also really laugh when after she stabs him and like impales him to the thing and she just slams his head in the, in the yeah. cupboard and knocks him out. Like that makes me laugh every time. And that plays like something out of evil dead for sure. Yeah. Um, and then even like the tall lanky guy, the setup and reveal of him is so great because she walks outside and then you just see his, like his, yeah, he pops the his top head of over, his head, yeah, the back of yeah. the like shed or the back of the house or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you just kind of like, you can kind of see a figure in the back and then you can like see its eyes glowing and you're like, oh, there's one on the roof. And then it walks around and it's this huge like Cloverfield ass Yeah, alien. you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, that's a big boy. Yeah. And like, then it just like starts doing Saturday Night Fever moves and that's how it communicates to the mothership. Like, you're just like, why is that happening? It's very yeah. creepy. Um, and like all of the, and it's all very propulsive. Like everything leads into itself, right? Yeah. Like, each one of these set pieces builds on the last one and like they it, they do have like an organic reason for why they lead into each other. So I think it's very, very well structured as, as far as a movie that is nothing but set pieces once the set pieces start. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean like sometimes you can be like, okay, it's very clear like this is a set piece and like a film is like, we had all this money, we're going to do this big thing and like we're going to do this big action sequence here. This movie mm-hmm. felt like yeah, it had set pieces, but it did feel like you're saying like the momentum, it felt like everything pushed the next thing forward and it felt like logical, like her choices of like, okay, I'm in, the, I'm in the basement of the house. I'm coming up to the house. I'm coming outside of the house. Now I'm like over by the car. Now the car blew up. Now I'm going to go back in the house. Like the, it felt like it make it made sense, you know? And again, it's just maximizing these same set pieces that they had. It didn't just feel like, well, we have the set piece and we're just going to do it just because. Yeah, exactly. And like, even the gimmick, right? I think we'll start to talk about sort of what the movie is trying to say, Say. ultimately. Um, Even the gimmick is in service of something. Yeah. Um, Right? Like, it's not just about... It wasn't, they didn't do it just to have like a, a hook. Yeah, right? it wasn't just no dialogue because it's like, oh, right. we're the no dialogue movie. It's like actually, right. it's, it's, it's in service of themes presented in the film. Yeah. Right. And so those themes are sort of guilt, survivor's guilt, yeah. uh, atonement for past sins, yeah. um, stuff like that. And yeah, it is revealed late in the film that uh, the reason why Bryn is an outcast is because when she was 12, uh, she accidentally killed her best friend with a rock. Yes. <laughs> um, which is a choice once again. Yeah. Um, we see her like be shunned on by the town. She goes to the police, the police chief and his wife 
have an awkward encounter with her where the police chief's wife spits on her. Yep. Um, and so the whole movie, you're like, what was that about? And then eventually the aliens do succeed in, uh, they her. attempt to, yeah, they attempt to convert her. They attempt yeah. to turn her into one of them. And then, uh, that doesn't work. Yep. Um, and they attempt to do that by tempting her, uh, into a false vision of a grown up mod that she can then apologize to, but she figures out what's going on. And so she like pulls the thing out of her throat and then the thing turns into a doppelganger of her, of her yep. she chases her down into the woods, stabs her. She stabs it with a box cutter. Yeah. Um, and then she goes to the side of the road, but she's exhausted. She passes out and she finally gets taken up into one of the ships. And then the ships or the aliens inside the ship, like basically delve into her psyche to yeah. find out what's been going on. Cause the, the aliens are like putting two and two together throughout the whole movie. They're like putting her backstory together, which I think is a really interesting. Yeah. They're like, why like, can't we crack this girl? Why won't she die? Why is she mm-hmm. like so resilient? Why has she been mm-hmm. able to kill one of us? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, and like, then, then they like, they're seeing pictures of her and mob. They're seeing pictures of her mother who I think it's implied that she took her own life because of like the shame and like depression that she felt over Bryn's actions. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I was reading too much into that or if you picked up on that as well. Um, but so I think that the implication is that Bryn feels like she was responsible both for the death of Maud because she was directly responsible for that and the death of her mother because of the anguish that her actions caused her mother. That's how I read that. We don't actually know how her mother died, but we know that her mother's gone. Yeah. Her dad really isn't in the picture at all. Yep. Um, so, uh, anyway, through all that, they go back and they see the moment where Maud and Bryn had a fight. Maud pushed Bryn to the ground. Bryn grabbed a rock, hit Maud in the head, and that killed Maud. Yeah. Um, and that's why she's been sort of outcast by the town. Um, should we talk about the ending as well if we're going to talk about the themes i think they're they're very connected yeah they they are very connected so yeah so the aliens talk it over yeah (laughs) yeah the aliens talk it over and they decide to let bryn go they let her go and the film ends with her uh waking up yep in town well not in town but waking up leaving the house and there's a bunch of people at her house um doing yard work and stuff and she's on friendly terms with them she waves at them they wave back at her and then one of the little parasite things wiggles around in the the dude's throat yep and it's revealed that she is the only human left among this society of aliens and she is living her best life with them she is dancing with them she is friends with all of them and we zoom out and just see this like field of flying saucers above Uh, that area of the country and then there's a dance sequence yes uh, that feels very old hollywood and then bryn addresses the camera directly and invites us to join her in her little slice of utopia and then it pans up we see the ufos and then it says the end like an old hollywood movie yes um (laughs) yeah so what did you think about all that (laughs) yeah man uh that definitely i was not expecting that from this film um Mm -hmm. this film kind of had the thing where it 
for me, it had a couple false endings where I thought like it's going to end here. Like mm. I, I, and I just didn't know because I didn't know, I didn't know where we were going with the tone. I didn't know if it was going to be like she gets to, you know, kind of a tone, or like she's been living in the state of penance and she comes to that realization and then she gets killed, or you know, like something something happens with the aliens and maybe she's like the key component that like, I didn't know what they were going to do, but this was not any of the options on my mind of like, <laughs> like, Oh, they're going to let her go and they're going to take over the world. And the world is like, you know, the world is done, but like she still gets to live and like be in this like weird alien utopia like with like these shells of people that are dead and the aliens are inhabiting them. And then we're going to have like a musical dance sequence, like to end the film. I was, I was so like, man, what do I, what do I do with that? But um, (laughs) it, it, it feels wild and it feels a little bit like out of left field, but the more you sit and think with it, think about like how they did this ending. I was like, it's still, it still is in service to these themes of like, you know, she, she was shunned by her community for all this stuff that happened. That was like an accident. And like, um, you know, she was always alone. She didn't have, she wasn't accepted by a community. And like, you know, I, I like the fact that when the aliens pull her into the ship, like you, obviously we don't know what they're saying. And so I don't know if it's just like a, they're like, Oh, she's been alienated enough and whatever. And ha. like maybe she, yeah, yeah, pun intended. And so like, they feel like a sense of kinship like oh she's like us like she doesn't belong to these people or she's suffered enough like i don't know if it's like they feel like she's suffered enough she's been isolated so we're not gonna we're not gonna take her over or like she's she's been through enough torment that like we don't need to torment her like we're gonna give her something that she wasn't able to have so i don't know but like all of those any way that you choose to read it still fits into service of like at the end, it's like, she's finally in this community that she never got to have or, you know, like, and, and then like, you can read it this other way of like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, she's building this town because the town that she's a part of has like ostracized her. She doesn't get to be a part of. So she's in this make-believe world that she's created with all these buildings. And it's like, this is her perfect world that she, that she lives in to escape the reality of like the horrible place that she's in and the movie kind of ends with the mirror of that but like in a weird inverse way the world's in a horrible state but she's living in this like false constructed reality where everything is okay and like she's accepted but it's weird because aliens have taken over people and she's the only real human so i thought in that way like the ending it was very again like it it catches you off guard, but the more you sit and think about it, you're like, wow, there's a lot of ways that you can read this. Like it's, it's open their interpretation mm-hmm. in like the best way. So, um, yeah, I just was like so much. I was like, man, I need someone else to talk about with this. I need to process yeah. this. Like, what does this mean? Uh, it's yeah. very much not what I was expecting. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts, MJ. What, what did you think? What, mm-hmm. How do you interpret this? How do you read it? Um, I cannot believe this movie got made and not just because of the <laughs> no dialogue thing, but because yeah. of that ending. I cannot yeah. believe they let this movie go out with that ending. Yeah. I 
love the way this movie ends. I think it's so great. Um, it's, yeah, I really like it. It's so, like, cheeky and kind of Sam Raimi mean. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels very Sam Raimi, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big middle finger a yep. little bit. Um, I read it two ways. Oh, the boy is angry. Sir. <laughs> oh, my God this cat this cat has oh. the loudest meow in the world yeah that was very loud he is my door is shut wow that was through my door wow wow yeah he's loud he didn't like the ending he did not like it <laughs> <laughs> um okay i think he's done screaming okay um <laughs> Yeah, uh, I read it two ways. Uh, One, I think that it's sort of with her dead mother and Maude. um, I think she's in two different places with her stages of grief with them. Yeah. I think she's in acceptance with her mother. Um, She goes to visit her mom. She brings her flowers. She keeps the grave well kept. Um, she only goes to visit Maud in a moment of desperation. Um, she's still writing letters to Maud. Um, she still feels a lot of guilt. I think she might still be in a state of denial. Yeah. A little bit with Maud. Um, and I guess it's not two ways. I guess it's sort of connected. I viewed the aliens as the sort of arbiters of atonement for this universe that he's created. Mm, yeah. These sort of godlike creatures, right? Yeah. Um now, whether or not they have done this with the other people in the town or if they've just mindlessly taken them over, it almost feels like basically what happens is the parasite goes into them. They are given a moment to basically handle a past trauma of theirs. And this is based solely on how we see it go down with Bryn. Yeah. And they can either choose to... Uh, Well, I guess it depends on how you read the end of the movie. They can choose to either accept that trauma and move through it, but then that means they become one of the aliens. Or they choose to atone for it, um, but keep fighting. And then remove the parasite but she still ends up happy with living in the in the society of parasites so i think the analogy kind of breaks down a little bit yeah um because i think it is trying to say something about the existence of a higher power it's trying to say something about like something that gives us the opportunity to atone for our past sins in quotes um I think it is. it has something like that on its mind, but I'm not sure it's clear what exactly it's trying to say yeah. based on the ending. Like, it feels like it's kind of trying to have its cake and eat it, too. I yeah. do still really like the ending of the film as far as a big swing and a big commitment. Yeah. Um, but I think thematically it maybe makes the movie a little confused uh, when it probably shouldn't. So I think it sacrifices some sort of grand statement for a meaner ending. Yeah. And... I don't know. I still think it works. I still think it's worth watching, but I do think that it like kind of undercuts itself a little bit by committing to the weird ending. Yeah. I mean, I think 
it does a lot of yeah like the ending the ending is very it's more open and ambiguous because even like you know between the two of us it's like we're interpreting you know we've got similar thematic things that we're reading but even that you can read the ending like so so broadly you know there's Mm -hmm. like so much like it doesn't it doesn't kind of give you like that concise you know focus that you would kind of want to be like here's the big statement that we're trying right. to and I, about it. Yeah. Because I think the big statement ultimately is that like I think it's sort of like an atheistic worldview, mm-hmm. right? In yeah. that it, it like if you look at the title of the film, no one, no will, one save will save you. you. Yeah. Right? Like what's the what is the common like turn of phrase within Christian circles being saved, right? Yeah. Um and so I think it's trying to say that like there is no like actual like creator being God thing, but there yeah. like there are these aliens in the like but the aliens are more of a stand-in for like essentially doing inner work to forgive yourself. And that's the only thing that's going to save you is you. Yes. Essentially. I think yeah. that's what it's going for. But I think the ending of her, like she does that and then still chooses to live amongst the aliens is very strange. Yeah. I could get that because it's like all the stuff leading up to it. So even like the stuff you were talking about, like she rejects the, the parasite she pulls it out of her it turns into herself she kills herself and so like mm-hmm. that's even in the way of like you know you can read that of like okay she she's she's moved past this like she's kind of like forgiven herself she's right. mourning like who she was like in that scene where mm-hmm. you know she holds her fake self and she watches her die like so there's a lot of things that are leading up to this point of saying like okay so like you have to be the person to save yourself because no one else can like literally physically no one else can save her in this world because they've all been taken over and like in response to her trauma that she's experienced no one can save you but you but then it's like you're saying the ending kind of a little bit is like they kind of want to have their cake and eat it too because it's like well but then you know like it's kind of the aliens are like well actually we'll let you be in this society and kind of have your happiness you know yeah, I mean, it almost feels like if it's going for, like, an afterlife metaphor, it's purgatory, right? Yeah. Of, like, she has kind of atoned, but kind of not. Like, it's maybe too little too late, so she's got to live in this, like, weird suspended state of yeah. things. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know ultimately what it's trying to say. Like, I did feel like this, especially this time watching it, for my because this is the second time I watched it, it was from yeah. Pod. And I picked up I picked up on the sort of like um, deity reading yeah. of them a lot more than I did the first time. Um, months, I think I was overwhelmed the first time, honestly, because of all the set pieces. Yeah. Um, to kind of pick up on like what it was actually trying to say thematically, but like it did read that way to me watching it, where I was just like, okay, so like they want to want the movie wants to have this grand idea about like making a statement about like there is no god and the only person that's going to save you is you, you. which she kind of does. But then, yeah, she ends up going with them. So like, what does that mean? Right. Yeah, the only she thing ultimately that's gonna... doesn't save her. Yeah. Like, she yeah, exactly. Does, but so, not really. Yeah. 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 So if the point of the movie is like, there is no God, the only thing that's going to save you is you. And you need to move forward through your grief and trauma. She doesn't actually move forward through it then. Yeah. So then it kind of like by committing to the weird ending ultimately proves its point. 
of or like ultimately disproves its point by saying like okay well in that case we need something outside of ourselves to save us yeah um so it's like it's very 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 thematically confused like i think there is i think there is one more draft of the ending that is actually a lot cleaner (laughs) Um, yeah yeah but that said i think the shock value of it works uh especially if you're only gonna watch this film one time yeah um i think the shock value of like what it's trying to do is just or what it does is just like whoa that was wild yeah um but i think digging under like popping over the hood and digging under the surface it maybe doesn't work quite as well as it should given how well the rest of the film works yeah i i am curious i read this i read this one review kind of analysis after it like in the couple days after i watched the film and where it was more like taking it as like this presents like a kind of like not like a social critique but like social commentary on like um like the millennial generation i'm curious if you've like heard any of that or read read anything yeah um and i was like really and then like I, i started to read it and i'm i'm guessing like i don't know this director is he our age is he a millennial let's see brian duffield is yeah he's 38 years old okay so yeah he is very um, much a millennial. but essentially the thesis of this like argument like you know saying it's kind of a commentary on like millennials it's like we as a millennial generation have endured all this all this trauma like mm-hmm. in our formative years, so like nine eleven, war in Iraq, um, housing market crash, housing, housing market stuff, and then uh, currently Pandemic. we're like living in this suspended state of like the world is kind of falling apart, hence mm-hmm. the alien invasion. But we're just trying to live in this bubble of like kind of trying to control it, but then just kind of like all hell breaks loose, and so we're just huh. trying to we're just trying to keep moving and just survive and you know like you you continue to play out that rhetoric of like part of this film is like the millennials like having to come to terms and like having to process the trauma that we experienced in all these formative years and just having to be like how do we move through it um and if you read it that way and it's like this article was talking about it's like the ending reads more of a like the world's on fire you just have to you have to find the best moments you can and like enjoy them and smile through them so you know like when Bryn is in this like weird world that's like she kind of has friends now and is accepted and like all the alien society it's like well you know it's like how can I enjoy pieces of this even though it's like the world is still like horrible and I, I read this article and I was like I don't know, like, is this a stretch? But, like, I, I I don't know. It was very interesting. So I wanted to ask your thoughts about that. <laughs> I think that's BS because here's the thing. <laughs> uh, right. So the, the idea, right, the, 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 the I guess you'd say societally, what would be, uh, what are we driving at is that we just stood idly by and did nothing about this, but, what generation was out there protesting the Iraq war? What generation was out there doing Occupy Wall Street after the housing market crash? 
what generation was out there doing the black lives matter movement what generation was out there doing the women's marches like we're pretty mobilized as a generation like we are pretty pretty politically active i would say more so than gen x was like yeah and i would say that either way like no matter what side of the aisle you fall on right like i i've seen way more like millennial and younger right-wing protesters as well like i uh, i don't know about that man so it was just it was super interesting and i was like i don't i don't know if this has any probably the probably the part that was like maybe i'd give like the most is like yeah like the the millennial generation has been through a lot of like stuff right i would agree with that and like so i can i can read the like having to come to terms and having to process trauma in a world where it's just like everything is falling apart and it's like Mm -hmm. when do you find the time and so they were you know talking about like scenes when she has to like watch herself die and like apologize to to mod and things like that of like yeah that's part of like what millennials are coming to this currently like where we are now like having to just like reckon with that and be like yeah i have to work through all this stuff that like really has messed me up um that you know not necessarily like i did these things i had a hand in doing them but some of them were done to me and the world is on fire and i have to process that so it was it was it was interesting like i said i was like i don't i don't feel like i got that like yeah i didn't watching get that films, so that's why it's like it felt kind of like a stress but i was just curious like if you had come across anything about that i don't know i i, I don't buy into the theory that millennials are apathetic first off yeah. like for, so i like <laughs> that that theory holds no water with me at all um and so the idea that this film is about millennials having to come to terms with the fact that the world isn't like great it's like well yeah we know like we've lived through it we've all, all yeah. we all talk about it all the time yeah like I, like yeah th- th- there's not a single person i talk to that doesn't know that you know yeah. and like like i said the people organizing all these marches and stuff were mostly millennials like yeah gen z starting to become involved because they were starting to get older but like it's millennials that kicked all of this off it really is like i don't know the idea that like and you know it's nothing new but the idea that like millennials are content to just live their like i said live their best etsy lives yeah and you know just new girl their way through all their problems is total bs yeah, I like, think the I think the article was trying to make the like that is like the response because the world has beaten the millennial generation down so much. Like Right, but I still you, don't agree with that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I still yeah. see millennials like, you know, trying out to there do say, stuff. like trying to yeah. do stuff but also yeah. like saying stuff, right? Like I don't know what like most of the people I know make pretty big political statements on their social medias as well, right? Like they're pretty well informed um you know they either and like i will say like a lot of them will do something like that right yeah a lot of them will do the opposite which is not say stuff like that on social media but that doesn't mean they don't have an opinion about it yeah that just means that they realize that social media is not the best forum for that yes and so they keep it off of that yeah and then if you talk to them about it in real life they guarantee you they have a pretty nuanced take about it yes you know like pretty much everyone i know has an idea has an idea of what's going on in the world and has thoughts about it yeah you know and like yeah so just because they're not tweeting every little thought they have about it yeah uh doesn't mean they don't have those thoughts or 
that they're not active about them or donating to charities that they see fit to help yeah. those causes or yeah. attending protests or rallies or organizations that they see fit to help those or voting in a way that make, they see yeah. fit to help that vision along. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everyone I know votes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know a single person in my friend group that doesn't vote. Yeah. So it was, it was just, it was just very interesting. Like I said, like I didn't read the film like this. I just read it more as like, dealing with personal trauma right and like all the stuff we talked about um you know like i hadn't i hadn't considered higher power a ton but like that is an interesting thing and i don't know if it's just because my first watch through of the movie but like you bringing that up it's like oh that is really interesting you know because you know you watch and you're like oh it's just like alien invasion whatever right. but it's just like when you start thinking it through that lens of like oh yeah like it, it does make it interesting. It's like, are they kind of like the arbiters of penance and, you know, judgment, like, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, like, I viewed them as like a judgment being, right? Yeah. Like, because they're which the is ones, how a lot of people view God. Yeah. We, yeah. And they're the ones ultimately, like we said, it's like the movie kind of, kind of folds back on itself because it's like, you have to save yourself, but then ultimately they're the ones that deal the verdict of like, whatever you want to say that ending is, if it's purgatory, if it's like, um, if it's like a, a happiness for her because she's finally accepted in society, but like, they're the ones that bring that, you know? Yeah, um, that's true. Cause they give her the, the decision and she makes a decision and then they talk it over, which means yes. they were weighing whether or not the decision was the right quote, right decision. Yes. And I guess that is where it becomes open-ended is it's like, well, it's now up to the audience to decide if that was the right decision and if that was being saved or if it was not being saved. Yeah. And so I guess you could argue that Bren like had the agency to like, she fought all the way up to that point to make mm -hmm. that happen. Um, but still, I mean, it is, it is a little bit like, yeah, like I, I still feel like it's like the aliens who ultimately, they they determine her fate i guess that would play more into the atheism theme that i presented then yeah as a cynical viewing of it of like you can fight and fight and fight and ultimately this creator this higher power still gets to decide whether mm. or not which is like yeah not a great reading no. of what christian no. doctrine is no. actually no. but no uh, you know, we got to meet the movie where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little our atheism, but yeah, it, it, uh, I do think that that does help where it's like, okay, if the idea is like you fight and fight and fight and you try to do the right thing, you try to atone, you try to write the letters to mod, you try to go visit, yeah. the you try to bring the flowers, you try to help people by doing these quote wholesome things like selling yep. your handmade etsy clothes and maintaining your model village yep um and you still get a judgment from something else based on how you handled one situation in your life uh i i, I that makes me that makes me more okay with the reading i presented but then like yeah it's, i find that reading reductive but which is fine whatever yeah um, you know, the movie is what it is. I still like the film. I think it's still well, yes, well made. Yeah. yeah but yeah. um I don't think it's as interesting <laughs> that way. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah. It's just it's 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 actually kind of a lot dumber that way. But Yeah, like yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but that said, like, I think that that you kind of help navigate it into that idea of like it leaves it up to you to decide like whether she was quote saved by these beings or not yeah um based or whether she achieved a, atonement or whatever you know the film was going for by her processing that through having the parasite enter her and present her with this yeah choice of live in the dream world with it i called it the jj abrams world because um, oh. of all the lens flares <laughs> yeah um live in the jj abrams world with uh with grown-up mob in denial yes or accept it live to fight another day and then that's how you can truly like i guess prove yourself to yes. this higher power right yes which is once again weird reading of yeah of what w- what religious belief systems actually are but yes yeah i guess you can like yeah you can say that if you want i suppose yes and you know we're talking about that scene we've talked a lot about that this film has no dialogue except that a couple words i wanted to ask Mm -hmm. you like they chose to do no dialogue through this except that one scene and we get Mm -hmm. the five very clear words i want to hear like what's your take on that did you feel like that was a good choice of like where to a lot spoken dialogue how does it affect the plot and mm-hmm. we're we're talking about themes right now like at the macro mm-hmm. level like how how does that all play in did you think it was the right choice i want to hear all the things i think so um so the five spoken words are i'm sorry mod i'm sorry right yes like, um and they come when she's in the dream world yeah she's in the yeah when she's in the jj abrams world um <laughs> she, she is presented with adult a mod. mystery box no yes sorry. yeah when she's in the mystery box she's presented with adult mod and she says, I'm sorry, Maude, I'm sorry. And she says it in quick succession back to back. So yeah. uh, that's the only piece, of, the only five words. Um, I think thematically it works very well, actually. And yeah. the reason why is because she is clearly struggling to find words to write to Maude. Yeah. Um, but she's not saying them out loud. And um, I think the thought exercise of writing letters is good. It has helped me. um through certain mental health situations that said um i i have not tried writing letters to people who uh were in my life that are no longer in my life who are still alive i've only written letters to people who were in my life that have passed away yeah um and that's why they're no longer in my life um so i found it very helpful to have the thought exercise of if I had that person in front of me, what would I say to them? Yeah. Um, that said, I also found it very difficult. Yes, emotionally, but also I'm an auditory processor. And so I yeah. need to say a lot of things out loud. Yep. Um, which is why I needed to write those letters to those people is because I didn't have them to say those things out loud too. So I had to write yeah. them down somewhere. Now, if you're an auditory processor, that's a very hard thought experiment just like to do not even the emotional work that you have to do with it. Um, Bryn, it seems like she's okay living in her, in her life, but it was almost the opposite, right? Where for me, I needed to, as an auditory processor, sit down and perform the thought exercise of what if I had this person in front of me, what would I want them to know about my life? What would I want to say to them? Would I want to apologize to them for anything? Would I want to thank them for anything? That sort of stuff, right? That's what you have to go through. Once again, very hard. Yes. Emotionally, but just very hard for me as an auditory processor to like do. Yeah. Bryn on the, but, but necessary really helped me move through the losses that I've experienced in my life. Very, very, Mm. very helpful because 
it was outside of my comfort zone because I was uncomfortable purely in the form of doing yeah. that. For Bryn, because she is happy to write letters to Maud, um, having her process out loud, I think, is ultimately what needs to get her over the goal because it's out of her comfort zone. She's grown yeah. accustomed to not speaking. So I think like it's pretty brilliant as far as the thematic weight goes of like, oh, she has vocalized this apology out loud to Maud, which is something she probably hasn't done. Because yeah. when it happened, when she was 12, she was probably just as stunned as anyone else. Yep. Right? And so she probably internalized a lot of that, which is why writing the letters is in her comfort zone, because it's all internal. Internal. If she yeah. says anything about it out loud, then it's in the world. Then it exists. Yeah. Then yeah. it's real. And I think that's the point, right? She says, I'm sorry to Maude, and then immediately rips the thing out of her throat, because she has now made this unreal world real yeah yeah and yeah that is so it's so powerful and i love all that you're saying there about like yeah her vocalizing it and it puts her out of her comfort zone like that's making it like real in a way mm-hmm. that like internal is comfortable for her um i i thought the scene was really brilliant and driving those themes home too just in the fact that like you know there, there's part, you know, it's like all the stuff that you were saying too, but I even like, you know, and I, I'd love to go watch the film again and just see like my second time viewing it. But like, I even, I kind of like read the scene as like, you know, they're giving her a chance to like, she's here with, you know, adult mod and she finally gets to talk to her. And it's kind of like, you could, you could stay here. Like we could, we could like the thing that was broken, like it's fixed finally, like we're here together, like we can be here. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's an apology of like, I'm sorry for what I did. And I'm sorry, like that I did that. And I'm also like, I'm sorry that like, like, I'm sorry. It's like, things are not this way. Like, I'm sorry that you're not here. I'm sorry that Mm -hmm. like, I can't, I can't stay here because this isn't real. Like, Mm -hmm. like you're, you're not an adult. You never grew up because of these things that I did, I can't stay in this fake world. Like, you know, like I, I gotta get out of the matrix, but like, you know, like I can't be here. And so in that way, it's like, it felt like the scene, like though that, that dialogue, even so minimally, like it, it felt like it fired on multiple things. Like all the stuff you're talking about feeling like she is not, there's something in Bryn that like will not, I mean like the aliens, like that's why they, pull her up and like say like we what's going on with her we need to see her backstory there's something in her that won't let her like just settle or like stay in that place like she's Mm -hmm. like i'm not content to just you know throughout the whole movie like we see she's a fighter and like through all these series of escalating things she's like i can't just stay in this place of like this isn't a real thing like you're not here and so I just thought, like, it's so cool because it felt like the I'm sorry mod, I'm sorry, like, is working on multiple levels. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the point, right? Yeah, yeah. I think if you're you're going to commit to a movie with no dialogue, you have to make the dialogue count, right? Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, it's even, this is a bizarre comparison um, because (laughs) it's a completely different type of movie. Um, There's this Mel Brooks movie called Silent Movie. And... um, there's only like one, there's one line. It might be just one word spoken throughout the whole film. It's a send up of silent movies. Yeah. But, um, 
the one word is spoken by the famous mime Marcel Marceau. And to me, that is also like that is in a similar vein. Um, if you're going to commit to a movie with no dialogue and then decide to have dialogue in it at one point, that's the perfect place for it in Silent Movie by Mel Brooks, because this guy like everyone else is not talking. And now in this world, the mime is the one who talks mm, like, yeah. that's a very oh. funny layered joke, right? Yes. Of like, okay. So the one person in the silent movie who talks is a mime, but he's a real mime. Like he was yeah. actually like a famous <laughs> mime in that time. Uh, oh. that did not, I did not mean for that to rhyme. Uh, oh no, I can't stop. Um, <laughs> no. but, uh, um, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was famous. Like he was on late night TV shows and stuff and he was a mime. And so yeah. they got him in silent movie. He gets the only piece of dialogue in the movie. That's like a joke that works on multiple levels. The joke isn't just, oh, haha, we had one line of dialogue in the silent movie. It's, we had one line of dialogue in the silent movie and it was spoken by someone who has been silent their entire, who is famous for being silent. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas this is similar, right? Where it works on a level of like, Bryn processing her trauma and finding it in herself to finally forgive herself and like overcome yeah. that, but also to take the unreality of the world she's been yeah. presented through the parasite and deny yeah. it. Yes. Um, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Really, which is why the, the confused thematics at the end are pretty frustrating actually. Yes. Because yeah. that inner working of Bryn is so well thought out. Yeah, right? I feel like it's very clear. It's very mm -hmm. on point. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to this. This <laughs> specific page. I'm going to send this. I'm going to put it in the Real P um, All right. text channel. Um, You're all getting real-time reaction here. Yeah, so. so this is a piece of... This is a, 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 I think Brian Duffield himself tweeted this. This is a page from the script when she is when the parasite is going down her throat um so it's a full page of text and it just says she can't move she can't move she can't move she can't move and there's no spaces between it and that goes yeah. all down the page and then at certain points along the page it says like in bold text with spaces between it the actual actions so it says her door is pushed open she can't move she can't move she can't move she can't move etc the gray is there she can't move etc it moves slowly toward her and, and so on and so forth for the for the entire scene where she is paralyzed and the gray comes towards her Wait, and is this it, like, like is this like the red light when she's like pushed mm -hmm, against the wall mm -hmm. okay yeah 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 so this okay. is right before she enters the the sort of the J.J. Abrams world. Okay. Um, so, yeah, something is coming out of its mouth. Something is coming out of its mouth. Something is coming out of its mouth. And it's alive, like a living blood clot. More on that in a second, because I, yes. man. Uh, it screeches at Bryn before it calls, calls down her throat. And then between each that is like more instances of she can't move, she can't move, she can't move. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, she can't move, she can't move, etc. And a lot of people were really angry about this after he tweeted it, because they were like, well that's not a conventional way to write a script or whatever. And it's like, Hey, guess what? He sold the movie and got it made. So like, it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, also, like I said, the movie is cause right. It's not structured the way a script page normally is. Yeah. Um, no. but the movie is not structured a way a movie normally is like yeah. it, none of it is conventional. So why should the script look conventional? And like I said, also the, sh it, it's out there. You can go <laughs> watch it. So it didn't affect whoever bought the movie. Yeah. 
Um, but I know like you've messed around with this more than I have. Like, what do you think about an unconventional approach to writing a script this way? Like, I don't think the rest of the script looks like this. That would be ridiculous, but like for emphasis, right? Like he's clearly made a choice on this to emphasize this moment. And it's also a very important moment for Bryn's story. Yes, it is in the film. Like, I think it's kind of great, honestly. And also I would think that if I was like someone in charge of buying screenplays and stuff for a studio, I would get to that part and be like, well, that's interesting. You know, like i don't see that every day it would make it stick in my brain rather than just yeah that's not how it's supposed to be like that's so stodgy yeah definitely like looking at this seeing it for the first time uh my my guess would be like the rest of the script it's probably like you know your standard fare like with the screenplay Mm -hmm. but then to get to this page it it is so like it's so overwhelming like mm-hmm. there's no there's no negative space. It kind of feels claustrophobic. So already that puts us in the right headspace of like yeah. what this scene looks like. And then having the different things bolded and like your eye draw is drawn to them. The door is pushed open. The gray is there. It slowly moves towards her. Rises. You know, it's like opens up its mouth. But then like in between all that, you're like, what does all that say? And it's like she can't move. She can't move. Like it's it. Yeah, like it it is effective in this way like I don't know, like I like it's an effective means to communicate this scene. Like this is wild. Um <laughs> like it, it's like a living effing blood clot. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah, before it crawls down her throat. I mean, that scene itself was like terrifying like when yeah. I was watching it, I was like you know, because cause half this movie, I'm, like, picturing, like, what would I be doing? Like, I'm mm-hmm. in her shoes. And so, like, that scene where it's literally, like, you're immobilized. She can't move, just, she can't move, she can't move, she can't move. And you're seeing this thing, like, it, like the, the alien does, like, the cat, like, you know, yeah. like, like, hairball vomits it up. And then, like, it's moving in the tendrils. And then it's, like, coming into your mouth. Like, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack and, like... <laughs> Ugh, I feel I feel so claustrophobic. So it's wild that this page, this script, like this part of the screenplay, like communicates that. So yeah, like if I was somebody like looking at this film and be like, I don't see that every day. Like let's let's do it. Let's greenlight this thing. Like it's yeah. so wow. But I think it also illustrates how well thought out Bryn's inner life is, right? Yes. Because the she can't move, she can't move, she can't move. Like, that's not just stage direction. That's probably what Bryn is thinking, right? Like, I can't move, I can't move, I can't move. I've been moving this whole time. She has been in constant motion since 10 minutes into this movie. We never, we never aren't seeing her trying to leave her home, trying to leave the town, trying to run away from this alien. She's moving, she's moving, she's moving. And then all of a sudden, she can't move, she can't move, she can't move, she can't move. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. And then even later down the page, it says, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then that becomes part of the, she can't move, she can't move, she can't move, she can't move. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. She can't move, she can't move, she can't move. So like, yeah, it's definitely clearly like he wrote out the panic and terror of the scene on the page. Yes. Like he has considered this for a while you know what i mean like yeah he, he has made a choice here and like i said i'm pretty sure the rest of the script doesn't look like this that would be no, insane no. like yes, if, yeah. if the rest of the script looked like this that is not a movie you should green light that no at that no. point but like <laughs> having this one scene which is pivotal to Bryn and her inner life um play out this way on the page i think is genius yeah i would agree 
like and a lot of people were like oh it's not you shouldn't have done that because it didn't it's like well he got a maid so he got made so <laughs> it's more than you can say <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um that is that is wild like i just <laughs> and i think you know like even zooming out a little bit like macro of all this i think this this film um you know and it it's not perfect, but I still really liked mm-hmm. it. Like we were even talking about, it's like, you know, trying, it's a little shaky trying to land the plane theme wise yeah. at the end. Um, but like what we're saying, I'm so glad that this film committed. And I think this film for me kind of falls in that camp of like, people want to see something that is original. I'm gonna, I'll put, I'll put air quotes on that, but there we're tired of seeing the same like studio crap that we've exactly. gotten for like so exactly. long. And so um, I, I put this film like kind of in the likes of something like Barbie and Oppenheimer, where it's like, it was, it was very like singular in mm-hmm. focus of like, we're going to swing big, mm-hmm. whether that's with runtime, whether that's with uh, visual aesthetics and how we present the film, uh, whether that's on commentary, whatever, you know, in this film, it's mm-hmm. like, there's no dialogue. Um, but we're going to swing big and we're going to, we're going to trust that like audiences want, they want to see those big swings. Even if it's not like, you know, the perfect film or people love it. I think we're at a place. I know I feel like in movie going circles where it's like, we're so tired of seeing the same Marvel crap and mm-hmm. star Wars and even, mm-hmm. even stuff not run by Disney where everyone feels like, okay, there's like three templates if you're going to make a film and we're, it's just so tired. And it's like, people don't care. This is very clearly thought out. Just the fact that you sent me that piece of the screenplay. It's <laughs> like, he really cared. He really yeah. cared to do that. And yeah. that is what I feel like we're missing so much in films. And I feel like, finally um you know like i feel like you know you and me and all 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 film people have been screwing about this for the last couple years but i feel like finally we're at a place now where more of the general movie going audience or people who like watch films are kind of like finally starting to like shake awake and be like oh like there's an alternative if somebody presents me like i can watch like marvel film like you know, 58, or I can have like a everything everywhere all at once, you know, yeah. like I can have or that. Even, or I... even a Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> like... Yes. Yes. Like something that swings big and mm-hmm. tries. And even if it doesn't like necessarily hit it out of the park, like it's still like a, a wild experience. And you're like, Which... wow, I'm glad that they did that. And I think that's what people want. And so like mm-hmm. watching this film, I was like, I appreciate it so much that like it swung big even if it's like the landing's a little bit kind of shaky on the ending, I still appreciate so much care and like they tried with this film. Yeah. And like already, like you said something earlier, it's just like, even just like the first like 10 minutes in, it was like, I was kind of already like endeared to the film. Cause I'm like, all right, they're, we're, they're going all in on this. They're doing mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, so like that, that's my soapbox. Um, I just feel like hopefully, the tide is changing and like more films like this is even more like what you were saying. It's like, I wish this would have been shown in theaters Yeah, because yeah. like the people who this clicks for, it's going to really click for them. And I think people who are, it's like, Oh, where's the dialogue, whatever. They're still going to be like, wow, this was, that was really different. Yeah. That was really different. Cause we see people want different, like Barbie yeah. and Oppenheimer did freaking amazing. Like people yeah. want different. They don't just want the same 
regurgitated crap over and over. Yeah. I mean, Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese's third highest opening. Yes, exactly. Three and a half hour movie that was the highest, third highest opening of a 60 year career. Yes. Come on. You know, like, and and that's the thing is like, ah, God, I'd I'd still to soapbox (laughs) again. I just wish this would have gone to theaters because I I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if this movie would have released September 22nd, 2023 in theaters, it would have had an okay, like maybe subpar opening weekend and then would have been a juggernaut through spooky season. I think this movie would not have been leaving theaters until right now because nothing else came out. It would run uncontested. The only other option was the Exorcist (laughs) Believer and everyone hated that movie and everyone hated it because it was another reboot, re whatever sequel legacy bullshit. And this wasn't that, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like this was something that someone cared for. This was something that someone yes. thought about and like yes especially and that's why in the in the uh, our first episode back i went out of my way to highlight this and skinamarink which is another oh, yeah. even more hyper experimental than this like if if this is too experimental for you avoid skinamarink at all costs but like <laughs> i made it a point to go see skinamarink at my theater because i wanted to show that like my money is going to go to stuff like this now like whatever yeah. this is even if i didn't like skinamarink and its hook like i mean if i wouldn't have liked it Based on hearing it, I wouldn't have gone to see it. But yeah. I was like, that's weird. Like, I don't know what I'm going to think about that for an hour <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Right? But I want to find out what I think about that for an hour and a half. And also, I like that it's out. I like that it's something I can go see. Like, I like having the option of going to see something like Skin of Ring. Yeah. And so because of that, I went to see Skin of Ring the same day I saw Avatar 2. Um, and yeah, it was a long day at the theater, but you know what movie I like more? Skinamarink, because it was more yep. interesting, because it took a bigger swing, because it took a massive swing. And what I don't understand about Fox and fucking Disney I not know, releasing man. this stuff in theaters I... is that Skinamarink did pretty good. Like, it didn't do, like, obviously, something like Skinamarink is so off the wall experimental that it's not going to do Halloween numbers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not going to, it's not going to take over spooky season, right? Um, It's not even going to become the new ring of, like, you know, like, if you're, yeah. if yeah. you're, like, if you have a kid that's coming over to your sleepover who's like, guys, we should watch Skinamarink, you should probably call that kid's parents. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if they're like, we should watch The Ring, they get a pass. But like, if they're like, we should watch yeah. Skinamarink, you're like, ah, oh, something's no. off with that kid. <laughs> um, but, but like, that kid's a weirdo. And so like, <laughs> Disney and Fox have had these two movies on their hands the last two years in both Prey and this that fit that mold, but for an even more accessible audience and just have dumped it on a streaming service for no reason. I don't get it because like... I, once again, like I said, if Prey would have come out in theaters, it would have had maybe a subpar, okay, opening weekend, and then would yeah. have done numbers. Like I Because guarantee... the word of mouth, people would have been like, wait, this is a Predator film? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait, what? Like, I, like they buried the lead so well mm-hmm. in, like, the advertising. But, like, yeah, so it's like it would have kind of been like, oh, fine opening, but then people would have been like, what? Mm-hmm. a new predator film that takes place in like you know w- like all in a native american tribe like yeah with like essentially like primitive people's technology like even though the predator has been shown to be this like technologically advanced society like yeah you know i want to go see that movie of like prehistoric or like ancient pe- people's technology versus predator technology predator, that yeah. sounds rad like that sounds yes. so cool yes. right and so like 
I just don't understand. Like, it really feels like they're leaving money on the table, which is insane because Disney does it's the ble- only thing they care about is money. And it's funny because like, they're bleeding money. Yeah. Right now, so. That's the other thing is they're losing money left and right. Like, the Marvels <laughs> yeah. just open like trash. And they, meanwhile, yeah. they have no one will save you sitting there. And like that, like I said, I guarantee you that movie would have done huge over October if they would have released it. I mean, huge. like, I mean, you look at something like what was it last week or previous weekend, like Five Nights at Freddy's came out. Not mm-hmm. a good film. But sure. like, did you see like, I think it had a budget of 20 million mm-hmm. or something like that. And it mm-hmm. made like 60 or double. 70 opening weekend. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, that had an IP recognizability and like yes, every 12 year old on the planet is obsessed with it. But like, yes, but, but the fact that like low budget, all, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, if, if no one will save you would have been released in theaters. Like I, like what you're saying, I think it's like, it would have had like a, a mediocre opening. People would have gone, but then I think the word of mouth would have hyped it up people well i think and that's the thing right is your horror nerd friend would have gone to see it and then they would have been like you have got to go see this movie i will go see it again with you because yeah i get like i want to watch i've watched it by myself twice now i want to show this movie to other people so bad i want to sit there and watch other people watch this movie and i guarantee you if it i would have seen it at least twice probably three times over october if it would have come out of theaters, because I would have gone to see it and then been like, no, we're going to see this. Like, I want to see this with you. This movie is so weird and offbeat and like interesting. And like, I really, really want to know what you specifically, because yeah. I guarantee you um, that, because I can think of five people in my life. I want to show this movie to right now. And I yeah, guarantee I a couple. you. Yeah, exactly. I guarantee you any horror nerd friend that you have who saw this movie they really want to watch this movie with you. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, I saw nothing. I follow a lot of horror people on Twitter. We all loved it. You know, like, we would have done the work. We would have done the, you know, to borrow a phrase, uh, which maybe would perturb the uh, uh, the screenwriter, evangelism for this movie for yeah. you. Like, <laughs> yeah. We would have gotten <laughs> word of mouth out there. I guarantee that, like, horror nerd people would have seen this opening weekend and been like, whoa, my friends have got to check this out. And that's how horror movies are made, right? Like, yeah. by, like by made, I mean like made money. Yeah. Right. Like that's like most horror movies make money off of good word of mouth. Yep. And like this movie has had nothing but good word of mouth, but it's locked up on a streaming service somewhere. Yeah, that people are like, I mean, you know, streaming is its whole own beast right now, and like mm-hmm. people are just kind of pissed of like I'm tired of paying money for stuff that's not good. So then. It just feels like this movie just gets thrown away mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, this movie's not that good. And Hulu, yeah, Hulu in particular has had a couple of these um, that like not just Prey and this, but there's this movie called Fresh that's pretty good. It's a cannibal movie with Sebastian Stan. Oh, yeah. um, the end's a little dicey again, but it's a decent <laughs> enough horror movie. It's more social commentary. Like wears yeah. it on its sleeve, like uh, like feminist stuff. Um, and then there's this great little, uh, uh, chamber play called no exit on Hulu. That is really fun. Um, that one, I don't think would have done numbers in a theatrical setting. I think it probably works best as a streaming film, but it's really worth a watch. Like it is, 
tense, it's claustrophobic, there's an air of mystery to it. It's it's pretty good. It's called No Exit, and that's also on Hulu. And I forgot I saw it. I think I watched it during lockdown, maybe. Um, but when I went to put No One Will Save You, No Exit came up underneath, and I was like, oh yeah, I dug that. Like, I thought that was really cool. So Hulu's had, like, a handful of specifically horror films that they've dumped on the platform with almost no advertising that are, like, absolutely worth checking out if you like that genre. Yeah. And um, I don't get it. Like, horror... The other thing, too, is, like, Horror nerds are the ones who spend the most money. Horror nerds spend tons of money on the on their their subgenre of choice. Um, and so, like, not not releasing this in theaters was a massive mistake. I think, like, I think, yeah. like, um, like tens of millions of dollars worth of a mistake. And because... and I think, yeah, and I think this one too. Like, you know, you talk about like horror nerds and people are really into this. I feel like this is one of the more accessible horror Absolutely. films. Absolutely. And totally. so, like, you, there's there's people I would recommend showing this to who I know that they don't like horror, but mm-hmm. I feel like this this kind of, like, walks that fine line of, like, I would say it's a horror film, but it's yeah. not, like, the perception that people who, like, aren't versed in, like, the horror genre, like, to know that, like, oh, there's different types of horror and whatever. I feel like I could show this, I could recommend this to somebody. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just even more frustrating that it's, like, why didn't this get released in theaters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I think it's a great sleepover movie. I think if you really want to like get a, get under a group of kids' skin, I think this would be a great one because it's not like super no nope, no pun intended. Really. Yeah, yeah, sure. Get under their skin. No. Yeah, because yeah. it's not like super. It's not that graphic, right? <laughs> no, like, it's there's not really like graphic. Some, the, the, the like there's some brutal stuff in it, but like it's not gory, really. Like you know there's there's like there's bits there's gloopy bits to it but it's there's not really swear words there's no nudity no, like you no. know like it's 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 not a family friendly film by any stretch but like if there's a group of teenagers and they want a scary movie like i think this is one you could you could yeah this is a great on. one like, yeah, yeah this is one that and like i think the no dialogue thing like is either like the kids are gonna be like what the hell like what is what what do you mean like yeah yeah no no dialogue and i think it's a great segue into talking about how like two of the greatest horror movies of all time have no dialogue in them nosferatu and the cabinet of dr caligari i watch caligari Mm. every halloween season because it's great it's really good i went to an event this october where i saw a band do a live score for both of those films and it was rad wow super cool um and so like yeah, I think horror has a great tradition of no dialogue. You know what I mean? I mean, I, after a certain point, Alien gets pretty quiet. Yeah, it does. That last third? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that last third is basically wordless. Yep. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's drawing on a proud tradition of, you know, non-use of dialogue in uh, in horror. And so yeah. I think it's cool because you show this to the right teenager you've made a horror fan for life i think i think this is a it's a perfect gateway horror film i think yeah it does it does that undercurrent of tension that mm-hmm. i feel like I'm, i imagine some horror films would struggle to do this does a good job of keeping that like constantly basically yeah. from that home invasion sequence the whole time you're just mm-hmm. like what is happening there's kind of mm-hmm. like that sense of dread there's that mystery like yep. what's gonna what is she gonna do how is she gonna get out of this how's this gonna play out and like it just continues to like be there and ramp up every time it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, now there's a new one and it's in her house and what you, so I, I think it does a great job. And I think again, it's very accessible for somebody who's never 
seen a horror film. It's not like zero to ten, like right, instantly. Yeah. It's like you're it's not throwing slow... them into the Exorcist yeah. with this. Yeah. You know what it, I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not. It's not the deep end of the pool by any stretch of the imagination, right? Yeah. Like, it's tense. It's fun. There's funny stuff that happens in it. Like the aliens are funny sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the aliens are scary <laughs> too. Like. But then when like that lanky voice starts doing like disco dance moves to summon the ship, like, yeah, you're like it makes me that? laugh. Yeah. It makes me laugh. It's very funny. I think the lol guy is really funny. Like Yeah. There's like, funny stuff in it. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I think the way that the lanky boy explodes is funny. Like um yeah. I think I think that's a great sequence, like when it gets trapped <laughs> in the car. Like it's so good, I think. Um, yeah. also they did that explosion for real, it looks like, which is cool. Yeah, it yeah, it did yeah um yeah yeah it's uh, it's just a great movie um i only have one more point and this is i yeah. didn't know where else to put this Corey, are you familiar with the sketch from the mighty boosh old greg i'm old greg yeah Have you learned to love me mj yes okay <laughs> are you have you seen the full version where he talks about how bootsy collins ended up with the funk yes it has been a long time that is like pushing man like 10 years ago but yes okay. i have seen the yes. so <clears throat> do you remember how bootsy collins ends up with the funk i can't remember off the top of my head i mean like i can see the sketch i can see them out there on the lake and the boat <laughs> and everything so yeah one of the things that <clears throat> old Greg does is he tells the story about how bootsy collins ended up with the funk with the funk yeah and um what happens is there's a, a ball that comes down from space and i'm just gonna rip the band-aid of it off of it yeah dude old greg finds it he says i realized it was a funky ball of tits from outer space and so it's just this like weird alien ball made of breasts that then gets milked for its funk juice and then bootsy collins drinks the funk juice and that's how bootsy collins ends up with the funk that sounds very familiar. Yep. <laughs> Here is the ball of funk. That's the parasite. You cannot convince me that there is not an old Greg reference in this movie. Now that you say that. it's I put it in the real P text. Oh, wow. It's gotta be, right? Like, I yeah <laughs> both times i've watched it now i was like the first time i saw it in that moment when the she can't move she can't move she can't move yeah i was like so on board and then like it coughs up this hairball and i was like it's the funk like i was just like <laughs> i cannot believe wow that, like i was just like ah, what is happening like what what D please tell me this movie was building up to just an old greg reference I'm old Greg. Wow. It looks exactly like it, right? That's blowing my mind. I. Oh, wow, that's crazy. I. I feel like the memory, like all of this has like flooded back because obviously, like, <laughs> I've, I've seen that sketch, but it's been like so long. Like, yeah, it's funny because I was talking about I was actually talking about old Greg earlier this week. I was hanging out with some people and, you know, we we watched GBBO mm. and actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like Noel, the guy yeah. who's like one of the yeah. hosts on there, like he he was old Greg in that sketch. Yeah. yeah. And so it's funny because like 
a couple seasons ago, he actually like referenced, he made like a joke. And then like, I was watching it with Hannah and she's like, what is he talking about? And I was like, you don't want to know. (laughs) Maybe you do. (laughs) Yeah. Good call. So here's the thing. I don't watch GBVO. Yeah. And I didn't know Noel Fielding was the um, host of that show for the longest time. And so I saw a picture of him and I was like, oh, he did a celebrity episode. And then I found out that he was the host of the show. And I was like, what? What? I was like, who let that weirdo host a show? Like, because I only know him from the old Greg sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I was just like, (laughs) old Greg hosts this show that is this like bastion of wholesomeness on Netflix. Yeah, it's like so does not make any sense to me. And I was so shocked that like when I saw that episode where he referenced I was shocked that they let him reference it. Yeah. Like, he made a very clear reference to old Greg. Yeah. Like one time I played like a mermaid on a like whatever <laughs> and I was like what? <laughs> um all right, this has become old Greg cast so we will wrap it up. Old uh, Greg. Great you movie. You love me. <laughs> I call this one as close as you can get to Bailey's without getting your eyes wet. Um, <laughs> well, I know what we're doing after this show. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corey, do you have anything, anything else to say about uh, no one will save you? Uh, no, I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm old Greg mode. Uh, I, <laughs> I definitely would recommend you fuzzy it. Little if man you're... peach. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would I would highly recommend this. If you're on the fence about this film, maybe you've heard stuff about it, I definitely recommend it. If you have Hulu, I mean, it it's pretty short like in mm-hmm. terms of a film, like I think just watch it one night, you'll have a great time. Like I said, it's very accessible horror film if you're like I don't do horror. I feel like this is a great film, like it could be your first horror film, like Horror Jason. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's just really well made and like all I all the stuff I said, you know, about my soapbox. I think you will appreciate that it swings big and it tries something different and it's not the same corporate BS studio mold that we've seen for like the last handful of years. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. I think it's I I think it's a no-brainer, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think it's 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 definitely a movie worth watching like you could do a lot worse you probably have done a lot worse this year <laughs> yes um like it's i don't know i think it's one of the top films of the year i think it's great i think the sound design is great i think the effects yeah, are great i think the tension is great i think the performance from caitlin dever is really good yeah um yeah it's it's just a really well made movie that i think is worth your time i also just want people to watch it so that brian duffield keeps making movies because i think he's a solid director and i think he's a great screenwriter like that script is the script is really tight um yeah and really well well considered as far as like from the character of Bryn, her perspective and it's the same thing about honestly it's the same thing with prey if you haven't seen prey yet do yourself a favor and honestly double feature these movies like take a night yeah and watch prey and um no one will say then go listen to our podcast and then go listen to our podcast (laughs) yeah actually you know what i did do the first night i watched this Corey, have you seen a movie called the vast of night no oh man it is so good it's another alien invasion movie it's about this like small town in texas louisiana somewhere like deep south um in the 50s the whole town is at a baseball game except for the teenager who runs the like late night show at the radio station 
and the teenage girl who runs the switchboard is like an operator for the late night shift and they go to work everyone else is at the baseball game or at the basketball game and they go to work and an alien invasion happens while everyone's at the basketball game and they're the only two people who know about it um, wow it's so good it's on amazon prime if you have amazon prime that's the move right there I okay, double featured I, uh, I double featured <laughs> Vast of Night because that came out during lockdown and I watched it during lockdown and I loved it. And so I watched Vast of Night, which is it's such a great double feature. So I did D- Vast of Night and then No One Will Save You in the same night. It was one of the highlights of my spooky season watches. Like it was such wow. a great night at home. <laughs> um, get your snacks, get your popcorn, get your gummies, whatever. <laughs> like, um, you know, your popcorn, your candy, your soda, your sparkling water, if that's your bag, yeah. which is mine. Um and like sit down and watch vast of night and no one will save you because vast of night because it takes place at a radio station is nothing but talking and then no one will save you is totally the opposite like it's such a great double feature um i just did it because i was like oh indie like alien invasiony movies yeah. right like off the beaten path alien invasion movies like that have like kind of a short runtime and are like a little low budget or whatever but yeah. then like then realizing thematically how linked they were because it's a radio station so it's nothing but talking and then no talking yeah. like it was a great night like that's one of the best nights i've had <laughs> by myself in a long time okay i'm i've looked up this film Mm-hmm. I'm adding it to my watch list because Ugh. I do have Amazon Prime. It is one of the few streaming services I do have, so Ugh. I'm I'm going to do that. And I've... I have a I have a soft spot for these small like indie budget films, and looks good. Yeah, I think you'll be really into it. Um, yeah, and there's like a framing device for the Vast of Night that I think is pretty great. I don't know, you'll. I okay. really, I, I almost feel like we're going to end up having a separate call about, about the yeah. Vast of Night. Like, <laughs> I, I think you'll be really into it. So yeah. Bonus episode. That's the, I, honestly, I wouldn't mind it because I love the Vast of Night a lot. Um, yeah. Vast of All Night's right. great. Criminally overlooked uh, little indie horror from the last couple of years. So yeah, do that. If you've, <laughs> honestly, if you've ever trusted my opinion about anything ever, <laughs> listener, trust it on this like <laughs> the vast of night no one will save you double feature night it is a blast it's so the only thing i regret is not inviting people over um yeah it's so fun anyway do that um but do you All have right. anything to plug wow this was this was fun uh mm-hmm. um yeah you, you know if you enjoy talking about films creative process like the filmmaking behind movies. Like I have a YouTube channel called Real Filmmaking where I talk about, you know, like making movies and films. And I've got some short films on there. So definitely check that out. It's Real Filmmaking, like a movie reel, R-E-E-L, filmmaking. You can find me on YouTube and yeah, go check it out. Yeah, do that. Um, I got a bunch of podcasts what about you, now. MJ? I have so I have so <clears throat> much. Um MJ was accused of being a what earlier? <laughs> a podcast slut. Um, By one of our other co-hosts who is yeah. not here. She yeah. shall remain nameless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her name was We, love, we love you, Missy. We love, um, you. We love you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, first off, <laughs> I do want to shout out, um, you know, local homegirls gag me with a chainsaw. I wish I would have known about this because I would have plugged this for them. 
But the reason Missy's not on this episode is because she went to a double feature uh, that Gagged Me With a Chainsaw did at the Maya Theater um, in Maya. Uh, our hometown. Um, yes. And uh, they showed uh, Blood Rage and the new Eli Roth film Thanksgiving, which are two Thanksgiving-themed slasher films. And uh, they also have a themed drink that Karina, uh, or Corey, from Gag Me With a Chainsaw um, created for the local tiki bar, Tiki Co., um, that is themed around the film Blood Rage. It's called That's Not Cranberry Sauce. Um, <laughs> and I just think that's rad. Uh, it's so cool to see like podcast homies holding down the fort. Um, while, yeah, yeah. You know, while we're scattered across the country. Like, anyway, I think that's super cool. Um, I'm very glad Missy went and supported them because they deserve it. Yes. They're friends of the show. I've been on the show. I was on there to talk about Psycho 2. It's a great time. Um, yeah, so shout out to Sarah and Corey. They're 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 good good homies uh, and friends of the show. So yeah, uh, if you guys are listening to this, let me know if you guys have anything else coming up like that because I will absolutely plug it for you guys on the show. Like, I I think it's so cool to see like local podcast people, um, yeah, doing definitely. big stuff like super mm-hmm. rad. So um, also like I said, go check their show out. They're they're a good time. They're a horror podcast specifically eighty slashers. I had to. Uh, I had to <clears throat> give up Jaws 2 in order to um, participate. <laughs> so, because uh, I thought it was, I thought it came out in the 80s. And the oh. Jaws, Jaws 3 <laughs> and 4 are not really slasher movies the way Jaws 2 is. Jaws 2 is just a Friday the 13th movie with a shark. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, uh, so check them out. And then uh, as far as my podcast sluttiness goes, um, I have two other podcasts. <laughs> uh, one is called Let's Jaws for a Minute. We are in the middle of a very chaotic season featuring shark films uh the current episode that's out is about a an australian film called bait which is about sharks that invade a supermarket during a tsunami the next episode to come out is going to be about the one and only sharknado and we recorded that earlier today. really all right yep yep is my it's the 10 year anniversary of sharknado um wow makes me feel ancient um yeah, likewise yep and because i believe in getting you a man who can do both i also have a, another podcast with my co-host of let's jaws for a minute called let's party with marty which yeah, is uh, a, a brand new podcast um and that is a podcast all about uh the films of martin scorsese as well as the films that inspired him um he joined the the app letterboxd and created a list of 59 companion films to his own filmography and basically listed um the film or films in some cases and um why he used them as companions to his film and so we are watching uh the companion film or films um and then we're watching the scorsese film so it is each each film is getting its own episode, so we are looking at ninety eight episodes of doing this. Um, you can listen to those wherever you listen to this podcast. Please, 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 do us a favor. Um, find us on your podcatcher of choice. Follow us. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Really, really helps us get um, up there uh, and out there as far as the uh algorithm is concerned Uh, it's very very helpful for us this is a diy operation start to finish um any support you guys can offer 
really 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 helps a lot please reshare episodes whatever whatever you can do and those things are all free for you if you've liked the show you thought we've brought any sort of meaningful commentary about the films you've loved into your life please please do that that would really help us out a lot um you can find this show wherever pods are casted if you're listening to it you already know that you can find those other two shows uh at the same location so if you're interested in any of the commentary i've brought specifically um please go check those other shows out um and yeah uh until next time we're the bad guys you could learn to love me i'm old greg